Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Harris Faulkner. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Janice Dean. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. I'm John Saucier. Some big news out of Lithuania to talk about. That's where the NATO summit is going on and not too far away from where a war is also going on in Ukraine. This war has had many unintended consequences for all sides, and we're seeing that play out as NATO could be about to get another new member. It is a very serious addition to NATO and something that Putin caused by his war of aggression in Ukraine, and he can't be happy about this result now. This is the Fox News Rundown, Evening Edition. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Good news for Sweden, same news for Ukraine, as NATO leaders get together in Vilnius, Lithuania. President Biden is among them. He says he supports adding Ukraine to the alliance at some point. We agree on the language that, uh, that uh, we proposed, that you proposed, uh, relative to the future of uh, Ukraine being able to join NATO. Kind of the same thing from NATO Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg says the alliance is supportive of Ukraine and the country will eventually join the alliance. We will also send a clear message to Ukraine that we stand by by them as long as needed and also uh, that we agree on the united and uh, positive message message on the path forward for uh, Ukraine and uh, membership uh, for uh, Ukraine. Ukrainian President Zelensky wants NATO membership, but for now, he'll have to settle for their weapons. Turkey and Sweden have now agreed uh, that Turkey will support uh, Sweden's uh, NATO membership ratification. This goes through the Turkish parliament. And then once that ratification takes place, Hungary is expected to do it too. That will be the last two countries that need to ratify Sweden's accession, and then it'll be a done deal. We're speaking today with former U.S. NATO Ambassador Kurt Volker. He's a distinguished fellow at the Center for European Policy Analysis and former U.S. Special Representative for Ukraine negotiations. It seems like that is the case. It seems like Sweden and Turkey have agreed that Sweden has done enough now to show that it is not going to allow Sweden to be used by Kurdish terrorists. And Erdogan, after having won his re-election, I think is now taking several steps to orient Turkey a little bit back toward the West. And that might be uh, for economic reasons. It might be for his own political reasons. He certainly wants to get access to USF 16s. It might also be a sense that Putin is losing this and, and he wants to make sure he's not overexposed on the Russia side. Yeah, an interesting note that President Biden did meet with Erdogan in person there at the NATO summit. So that kind of signals the whole leaning more towards Western countries and Mm -hmm. possibly Western values that you hinted at there. So how big of a deal is this? A new country joining NATO It doesn't happen that often and it takes a lot for someone to get in. 
Well, it's huge. It's huge because if you combine this with Finland having just joined and Sweden now uh, being fully approved as well, you're now looking at all of Northern Europe uh, in NATO territory. For NATO defense planners, this is unbelievable. You now have integrated airspace and integrated sea space management from the Arctic through Sweden, Finland, Norway, the Baltic Sea, the Bearings, uh, the uh, North Sea, all of Western Europe. It creates a, a very coherent defensive area. And in addition to that, Sweden and Finland are both very capable countries when it comes to military capacity. Uh, Finland flies F-18s. Sweden made its own Gripen uh, fourth-generation fighter aircraft. Um, they've got good naval capacities, well-trained people. Um, it is a very serious addition to NATO and something that Putin caused by his war of aggression in Ukraine, and he can't be happy about this result now. Yeah, huge backfire here because Putin's whole idea of going into Ukraine was to not let them allow NATO and not to have NATO on Russia's doorstep. But as you just mentioned, NATO is going to become stronger if Sweden does actually get in, if you can get Turkey and Hungary's Congress to ratify their ascension in there. Now, there is some drama at this NATO summit as well. That's because President of the United States, President Biden, the NATO Secretary General, Jan Stoltenberg, they have said, sure, we'd like to have Ukraine in someday. I was very interested with the wording that they used. And the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, is saying, wait a second, guys, can we get in already? What's your yeah, take on what's going I, on there between those two I, sides? I think there needs to be an in-between. And so far, I haven't heard it yet. Uh, what uh, the, the U.S. is saying there, you know, someday, that's what NATO has been saying for 15 years. And it doesn't have any credibility. Uh, if, if we were going to bring them in and had any serious intent to do so, we would have found a way in the last 15 years. The fact is we gave them a promise, but no process for getting there. On the other hand, Zelensky is never going to achieve NATO membership for Ukraine right now. Because to do so would mean that NATO countries are agreeing to join the fight against Russia. Uh, and NATO is not going to go to war against Russia. So I think in between is where we need to be looking. And what we need to do is send Putin a very clear signal that Ukraine will become a member of NATO. We will have a stable border with Russia in the future. Uh, this train has already left the station. We're going to do it as soon as it's practical to do so. Uh, you don't want to set a deadline. And you don't want to set conditions because uh, Putin will exploit that to make sure those conditions are never met. But uh, he does need to know that uh, we are all committed to this. Thus far, we don't have that sense of resolve coming out of NATO. But what we do have is NATO countries sending weapons to Ukraine for use in fending off this Russian invasion, most notably, of course, the United States. We've spent billions of dollars in weaponry yes. sending over to Ukraine. And most recently, Kurt, the so-called cluster munitions, which are mm -hmm. actually a little bit controversial because of the so-called dud rate. I guess the idea here is you shoot one off, but it doesn't blow up. It stays there dormant until maybe a civilian comes upon it. How significant are these cluster munitions being sent to Ukraine. How significant is this for their defense? Right. First off, this, I think, will make a significant difference to Ukraine in breaking through the Russian defensive lines in their counteroffensive, because it'll be an untenable for the Russian soldiers to stay in the trenches and defend the minefields. Once they have to leave those frontline areas, the Ukrainians can use heavy equipment and get through the minefields. So this will be significant in terms of the direction of the war. As far as the objections go, I think people have to take a moment and think. The reason there are objections to cluster munitions is to protect civilian populations, especially after the conflict is over. 
Russia is deliberately targeting and killing Ukrainian civilians today. It's already happening with other weapons that Russia is using. These Iranian kamikaze drones, cruise missiles, caliper missiles, hypersonic missiles, directly targeting Ukrainian civilian centers, Ukrainian cities. If that's going to stop, that means that Russia has to lose the war. And so using these cluster munitions now is going to save civilian lives today and end the war more quickly. And that's what we should be focused on. So with that argument, are you surprised the United Kingdom is objecting to sending cluster munitions into Ukraine? I, I would I wouldn't go so far as to say they're objecting because they're not telling the U.S. don't do it. The U.K. signed this treaty that many countries have signed banning cluster munitions and saying they'll never use them. So they don't want to be in the position of providing them and seeing them used in Ukraine. But I think they recognize the argument that I just made and therefore are not telling the Biden administration don't do it. Sweden, yes. Ukraine, not yet. That's the message we're getting from NATO as the military alliance has their summit in Lithuania this week. This war in Ukraine is getting old now, so any new ideas on how to repel Russia? And what does Vladimir Putin's hold on power look like after that recent rebellion by his own mercenary fighters? We're covering these heavy topics today with former U.S. NATO Ambassador Kurt Volker. He's a distinguished fellow at the Center for European Policy Analysis and former U.S. Special Representative for Ukraine Negotiations. We'll have more of the ambassador Right after these words. Now, obviously, we've got an election coming up and there's a number of Republican candidates who have opinions on how this war is going and how President Biden is handling it. One of them is the former vice president, Mike Pence. He was on the Fox News channel this week, and he said that President Biden isn't giving President Zelensky everything he promised. And he gave a specific example in Abrams tanks that the U.S. military had promised to send Ukraine. What I heard from President Zelensky is they're still waiting on the 33 Abrams tanks that were promised back in January. Uh, and they're still waiting for U.S. approval to transfer F-16s from one of our NATO allies. Now, the idea here is that they might use those tanks to try and force Russians out of Crimea and other eastern areas of the country. What have you heard about these Abrams tanks heading over to Ukraine? Is this a training issue or is there some sort of red tape or delay that's actually happening? Yeah, I think it's it's uh, being um, slow rolled. Uh, or at least the leadership in the U.S. is not lighting a fire under the military to tell them to get it done sooner, uh, which uh, is, I think, what Vice President Pence is alluding to. If he was still there, that's exactly what he would be doing. Um, the U.S. has had a pattern here of saying no to providing equipment the Ukrainians need and then changing our mind and saying yes and then delivering it late. Uh, and we've seen that with Stinger missiles. We've seen that with HIMARS. We've seen that uh, with the Abrams tanks. We've seen it with F-16s. And we're still seeing it uh, with the uh, ATACMs, the 300-kilometer range artillery shells. Still no commitment to provide those, even though the Ukrainians need them if they're going to reach uh, the supply lines of the Russian forces inside Ukrainian territory. We're speaking today with former U.S. NATO Ambassador Kurt Volker. Kurt, I want to turn to Russia for a moment here. Obviously, a big deal with the Wagner mercenary group leaving Ukraine, turning around, heading towards Moscow. This, I mean, almost looked like Russia was crumbling when this all happened, but then suddenly it stopped. And now we had reports this week that the leader of the Wagner group, Evgeny Prigozhin, actually was in Russia and may have even met with Putin, although it thought that he was exiled to Belarus. What is your take on that situation and just how did it show Putin is handling this? I mean, is he looking yeah. more powerful? Because we haven't really heard a lot since then. Or was this a major blow for Putin? 
Yeah, well, basically, uh, and think of Russia as a mafia organization. And there's a lot, therefore, that's going on inside the family that we don't see and we don't know. So there's just a lot of, of uh, opaqueness about this. But there's no way you can look at this and think it looks good for Putin. Uh, Putin has a, a rebellion take place on his territory by Russians whom he has funded, who take over two cities and are marching on Moscow before they turn around and stop. Uh, that makes him look incredibly weak. And I think what he's trying to do now is find ways in which he can reassert an image of being in control. But even this, the idea of him meeting with Prigozhin, is another way of uh, demonstrating that he's in a weaker position than we thought. Prigozhin is in a stronger position. Uh, you would think that he would be dead by now, but instead he's meeting with Putin. So th this is all um, a way of Putin recognizing he's in a weak position he needs to rebuild. Even if you think about the Wagner Group, uh, which Prigozhin has led for so long now, um, that's the only effective fighting force the Russians have been able to mount in Ukraine. And Prigozhin had taken them off the playing field. So if Ukraine is, is going to, well, put it this way, if Russia is going to have any chance of making gains against Ukraine again, he's going to need, uh, Putin's going to need the Wagner Group in the fight. So he needs them, which again makes him in a position of looking weak. So a double whammy, you don't have your fighters on the battlefield and they're turning around and going against you. Not a good look for Putin and most certainly no, no. not a good look for Russia, which we're over 500 days of this war now, which is just mind-blowing. Kurt Volker, former ambassador for the U.S. to NATO, we appreciate your insight. Thanks again for joining us on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.